So last Sunday, we, we learned that Jesus didn't come to do away with the Old Testament law, but to fulfill it. He said, unless you follow the law perfectly, more perfectly than the Pharisees, you can never enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you missed that message, you can go back and you can go to our website and go to pleasantgrove.cc forward slash resources. You can go to the, the blog, to my blog or my podcast, and you can listen to the sermon from last week. But Jesus said, unless you follow the law more perfectly than the Pharisees, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 20. Now, the Pharisees were the most perfect, holiest people of Jesus' day. Everyone looked up to them and respected them. And Jesus' followers would have thought it quite impossible to be more righteous than the Pharisees. And that was the point. Jesus was making a point. He was saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. The Pharisees can't earn their way into heaven, and neither can you. And that's why Jesus came. Since we can't fulfill the requirements of the law, Jesus came to fulfill it for us. Since the penalty of sin is death, and we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, Jesus came and paid the penalty of our sin by dying on the cross for us. His death atones for our sin, and it makes us right with God. But to prove his point that we cannot follow the law perfectly, and, and so we desperately need Jesus' help, Jesus gave some real-life examples. And we're going to look at one of those today to show how we fall short. And then he's going to give some more examples um, in, in future uh, weeks, and we'll look at those as well. But today, I want to look out at his example about anger, and it comes from Matthew chapter 5, and verses 21 through 26. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in, dangers, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Let me pause right here and just... Talk about this a minute. This is, Jesus shows how incredibly demanding is God's perfect law. Of course, we can understand that you should not murder. We all get that. It's inherently in us. We, we understand that that's wrong. But lest we boast that we've never murdered, Jesus points out that the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the law requires even more. And goes on and say, if you are even angry at someone, you've broken the law. If you are driving down Cleveland Highway and someone cuts you off and almost causes a wreck and you say, you idiot, then you will face judgment according to God's law. If you curse at someone, you are dangling precariously over the fires of hell. And it is only a matter of time before you fall in. The perfect law of God is that demanding. And Jesus goes on. 
in verse 23 and 24. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now here, Jesus is showing forgiveness and reconciliation are the most important act for God's people. In the Jewish religion of Jesus' day, sacrifice in the temple was very important. People, could, people would travel for hundreds of miles on foot to visit the temple to make a religious sacrifice. It was a, a high and holy event, something that people looked forward to their whole lives and would remember for the rest of it. But Jesus says that there's something even more important. Even though your sacrifice was expensive and you traveled for miles and miles to offer it at the temple, which is held as the most important place on earth, Jesus says forgiveness and reconciliation are even more important. It is so important, in fact, that if you've brought a sacrifice and you remember that you've, you need to reconcile with someone, then you need to stop that and go do the reconciliation first. It is so important, in fact, that Jesus left the glory of heaven to come down to our broken world and to die on a cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled with God and with each other. It's that important. And then he goes on in verses 25 and 26. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge and and who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Now, This last part is often seen as Jesus' practical advice for people who are engaged in a a disagreement that's led to a lawsuit. And that makes sense. And if you have ever had uh, any dealings with legal matters and court cases, it it might seem wise. If someone has a lawsuit against you, And even more importantly, if they have a lawsuit against you and you're the one who's in the wrong, or even if you're partly wrong, and maybe they're partly wrong, but you're also partly wrong, and you're on the way to a a, a court case, a lawsuit, settle it out of court if you can. I think most lawyers that I've talked to have said that. If at all possible, do settle it out of court. Don't go to court unless... You actually have to. You never know what's going to go on, what's going to happen in court. It gets before the judge. You may be right or you may think you're right, but the judge may see it differently. You never know what's going to come out and what's going to happen. Plus, I mean, honest people ought to be able to work out their fair, ought to be able to work out a fair agreement among themselves. Sadly, that's not always the case since we 
are broken by sin and our world is broken by sin and this is the the life that we have. We know that it's a reality. But the Lord revealed something to me as I studied this passage that I had not thought of before. I always read this passage and you know, I sort of interpreted it a certain way. But as I was reading it, I was really thinking about what is Jesus trying to say? Why is he talking about this? Is it just about lawsuits and human disagreements? And I had an insight. And I thought, well, why has nobody ever thought about that before? So I did some research and say, if I'm the only one that's ever thought this, and I found out I'm not the only one that's ever thought this. This is more than just practical advice that Jesus is giving about legal cases. Jesus is using a metaphor about eternal judgment. When you are on the way to the court with your adversary, he just got done talking about God's law, and he just got done talking about eternal punishment. When you're on the way to the court with your adversary, we are all involved in a divine legal case. You see, God's law is perfect. And we've all broken it. And the Bible often talks about Satan or the devil as being our accuser, our adversary. Satan is portrayed as the prosecuting attorney in the heavenly court who brings a case against the sinful people who have rebelled against God. And so our great enemy, the devil, shows all the evidence of our sinfulness in the heavenly court and points his accusing finger in our face and he says, he is guilty. She is guilty. And the penalty is death and eternal damnation. And what will you say when you find yourself on the judgment seat in the court in heaven? We have no defense. We are guilty. We can all look back over our lives and we can think of reasons that we're guilty. Things that we have done that we should not have done. Ways that we have broken God's law. We have no defense. As Jesus shows, we are guilty even if we've only ever been angry and called someone an idiot. Even if they deserved it. And so Jesus says, don't wait until the day of judgment. Then it will be too late. Settle it Settle this matter now while you're still on the way to that heavenly court. Here's your chance. Don't you realize that we are all walking on our way to the day of judgment? We're going to be there before God, every one of us, face to face one day. And Jesus says, don't wait Until it's too late, settle this matter now while you're still on the way. Here's your chance, people. Jesus is here now. 
He came to offer grace. He came to offer reconciliation with God and your fellow man. And it's more important than worship or sacrifice. It's the most important thing. First off, we need to get our hearts right with God through Jesus Christ. And that starts when we turn to Jesus and we repent of our sins and we say, Jesus, I will follow you as the Lord of my life. I am no longer in charge. I'm not the Lord of my own life. You are Lord and I will follow you. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin and save me. When we do this, Jesus' death on the cross washes away our sin. And when the devil tries to accuse you before God, there will be nothing left to find. Your sin will be gone, gone forever. Every sin you ever committed, everything you would commit in the future, gone. You are innocent. You are holy before God. But there's more. Now, we are called to live like Jesus in this broken world. We are ambassadors of peace and reconciliation. Jesus forgives our trespasses so we can forgive those who trespass against us. And we are healed. And there is healing in our world. And the kingdom of heaven comes on earth more and more. Now, it's not easy to forgive people who hurt us. It's not, it was not easy for Jesus to die on the cross. But he did it. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, and again in Mark 8, 34, and again in Luke 9, 23, if, you, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And so, just as Jesus forgave us, we must forgive others. I want to end with an incredible story of forgiveness. Becky alluded to it earlier because she and Rita and Kelly and I went to Grove Level uh, a week and a half ago and we listened to the testimony of a young man named Alex who was an orphan from Rwanda. Alex's story is so powerful and also has an important connection with what we're talking about today and with our church because we participate in Operation Christmas Child every year. And so I wanted you to hear Alex's story of salvation and forgiveness and reconciliation, not just as a promotion for Operation Christmas Child, but because of how it challenges us to forgive just as Jesus forgives us. There are stories upon stories upon stories that God wants to tell of people who have experienced hardship, who have experienced pain, who have been used and abused. And God wants to take that story and turn it into something beautiful. 
he wants to take that story and turn it into victory. The death toll has now risen to nearly one million dead in the small African nation of Rwanda. It looked like the devil had taken control of hearts. The spirit of death was hovering over the whole land, even where a husband would kill a wife, where parents would kill children. There was no life. There was no life. Children were scattered, like Alex. Militias who were hunting for the Tutsis in our neighborhood, they knew that my grandmother um, was a Tutsi and our whole family was a Tutsi, so they started. We, are, we were among the first people who were hunted down. These militias came to our house and they said, all of you kids, go back inside the house. And we're looking through the window while they tortured our grandmother to death. It wasn't strangers that just killed our grandmother. It was our neighbors who we knew by name. And then my aunt started getting sick. She's about to pass away and didn't know who would take care of me and my brother. She went across the street uh, to this orphanage called uh, Jisimba Memorial Center. We were admitted in the orphanage. Then three months later, she also dies. Personally, I was really, really angry and searching for something. Then Operation Christmas Child came in our orphanage and just having something that we could call our own, that we could play with and that could take our minds off of what happened during the war. Receiving that shoebox was just the beginning of my faith. I started to understand that the world hasn't forgotten. It reminded us that, you know, someone out there cared for us. <laughs> Minnesota. I love everything about Minnesota, but one thing, and that's the snow and the cold. The Lord would figure out a way to do it. He had prayed that the Lord would just give him one shot and um, that there was this one opportunity for him to have to get out of Rwanda. My mom, she is a testament to the love of Jesus Christ for following God's voice to be a mother to two orphans. My biological mom and my grandmother uh, wherever they are out there in heaven, they're, you know, applauding her for what she's doing. I'm just so thankful that I'm his mom. Alex has a call in his life. I don't know what it will be. I just know it will be extraordinary. Operation Christmas Child wanted to give me that opportunity to deliver shoeboxes in the orphanage, in the same orphanage that I grew up in, and the same orphanage that I received mine. When I received that gift, I got that message of hope, which continued to answer my questions of why I was alive. 
And I believe, without a doubt, that Operation Christmas Child can have a, a big part in bringing hope and love in the people of Rwanda. Your seatbelt must be tightly fastened, ready for takeoff. I have felt called to be back and to help in the process of forgiveness and reconciliation because that's what the country is going for. If there's anything I can do, that's what I want to be back and help. Coming to understand that God loved me and God loved not just me, but everybody, including those people who killed my family. Forgiveness frees the people who committed the crime by also them having peace and understanding that Christ can also forgive them. I'm trying to go to the prison to see if I can meet with the people who killed my family and to just share the message of forgiveness that uh, I've gotten to have through Jesus Christ. Father, pray that may continue to bless it, Lord, and just give him peace that he deserves. <laughs> Thank you for your love and your kindness. I pray that your spirit may be with him and just protect him wherever he goes, Lord, that he may have the peace that comes through you, Lord. We saw God. We saw God's love. And after Alex confessed it to him that he was forgiving him because he has trusted in Christ, he has known a God who is forgiving. The act was so humbling. After which they hugged each other. Man, I cried. I worshiped God in my heart and said, we still have a God that can really transform hearts. Someone may hear this story and all they hear all they think of is, oh, poor guy, he lost everything. I want people to have this reaction. That is a powerful God. The God who did that in my life, protecting me through the war, is the God who is working in their lives, is the God who is with them each and every day, the God who is using something as simple as a shoebox to change a kid's life. We're at my orphanage that I grew up in. I received the shoebox here. So now I'm back to deliver shoeboxes. That's probably one of the most exciting things I'm gonna get a chance to do in my life. So I'm very excited. I can't wait to see them open the box. They're so excited. They're almost saying, hey, you should change that box with me. It's like, no, because the gift that they got already is destined for, that, for them. And God is going to use that box the way he wants to use it. God has already done his work. I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> I got my box in two, no, 1995. When I was very, I was like this, just like you. Yeah. <laughs> Just the smiles on their face, just the, the smiles that I got, that I had when I was very young. It's a blessing in itself. And it just reminds me how blessed I was when I received my, my box. We're not just hand, handing out gifts and that's it. 
but we follow up with a discipleship program for the greatest journey. Operation Christmas Child has continued to spread the gospel around the world using one simple box that carries a powerful message of Jesus Christ. You know, life is tough, but God is still faithful. As we close the service today and my message, I, I want to invite you first to be reconciled with God. Turn your life over to Him. Let Jesus be your Lord. It will change everything about your future, including your eternity. Second, I want you in, to invite you to do the hard work of forgiving others. It's not easy. But it's what God calls His, his followers to do. Last, I want to invite you to be part of God's reconciling work in every way that you can. And one way that you can this time of year is through Operation Christmas Child.